Hi, this is Steve Durr. Today we're going to read from Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 13 and going to verse 38. I'm going to do it a little differently than I typically do. Typically I'll read the whole passage and then comment on it afterward. And so today I want to read parts of the passage and then interject some thoughts, and then read some parts and then interject some thoughts. So follow along with me. Acts 20, starting in verse 13, it says, Paul went by land to Asos, where he had arranged for us to join him, while we traveled by ship. He joined us there, and we sailed together to Mytilene. The next day, we sailed past the island of Chios. The following day, we crossed to the island of Samos, and a day later, we arrived at Miletus. Paul had decided to sail on past Ephesus, for he didn't want to spend any more time in the province of Asia. He was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, if possible in time for the festival of Pentecost. But when we landed at Miletus, he sent a message to the elders of the church at Ephesus, asking them to come and meet him. Let's stop there for a second. Paul and his team sail past Ephesus. Why? He's in a hurry to get to Jerusalem, and he knows a lot of people in Ephesus. It's a major hub of his activity, of his life. He spent three years in Ephesus helping a faith family grow and develop, raising up leaders, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus. And so he goes past Ephesus uh, and stops in the port city of Miletus, which is about 50 miles to the south of Ephesus. And so once he goes past Ephesus and lands in Miletus further south, he then decides to send for elders, leaders from Ephesus. He wanted a final moment with them. He had final words to share. So by the time he would send some of his folks up to travel to Ephesus, which could be two, two and a half days to get there, and then it would require them maybe a day or so to come uh, to get organized, and then maybe two days to come back to Miletus. That whole time Paul had to think about what he wanted to say was about four or five days. So he was in Miletus, had a four or five days to think about to remember, to figure out what he wanted to say to people he loved, to people he would most likely never see again. And so what's he going to say? What would you say if you had final words for someone? Let's find out. Verse 18, when they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And so here, Paul's saying, you know, you've seen me, you've been with me, how, I, how I've lived, how I've led has been faithful. It's been courageous. It's been passionate. You've seen how I've kept the focus on Jesus and inviting people to turn to him. Here's what matters most. That's been my message. And then he continues, verse 22, and now I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I'm being led by God to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. 
the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. What's he saying here? Paul is staring prison, pain, and death in the face. He knows what's coming, yet he keeps moving forward. He doesn't shrink back from the mission of Jesus. He identifies that he must finish the work that had been entrusted to him by Jesus to tell others the good news of God's grace. And this drives him into a headwind of suffering. This propels him to give every ounce of his life and energy to leave nothing behind, to leave nothing on the field, to give his all. Verse 25, And now I know, he says, that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. Paul had spent three years with them. They've been through difficulty, persecution, caring for one another's needs. They've experienced relationship. But now it's time for goodbye. And that's tough. And Paul makes it clear that he's been faithful. He's been faithful to God and he's been faithful to them. So now what? Verse 28. He says, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers, like vicious wolves, will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And so here Paul's challenging and warning them. He's calling them to lead themselves and to lead God's people, to lovingly and passionately care for the faith family and to protect them. Verse 32, And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he set apart for himself. Here Paul's saying, I've been leading you, but I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the king. I'm not your savior. God's been behind this whole thing all along. You are God's. And so you will continue to be built up by God. Verse 33, he says, I've never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine have worked to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who are with me. And I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Here Paul's making it clear that he didn't use his position among the faith family in Ephesus to get ahead to get things, or to even get in the way. He modeled a life of generosity. He's saying, follow my example, follow my lead, and imitate my way of leading. Verse 36, And when he had finished speaking, he knelt and prayed with them, and they all cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. They were sad, most of all, because he said that they would never see him again. Then they escorted him down to the ship. How do you say goodbye for the last time? They cried. They prayed. 
they were saddened most by the understanding that they would never see each other again. We see a beautiful picture of this leadership team in Ephesus. They were a family, not just co-workers doing a shared task. They were a family. They had deep relationship, a shared life, and that was important. Paul was beloved by those he led because he served so well. In this encounter, Paul says throughout this whole you know, discussion and conversation with his leaders that he's left and raised up in Ephesus, he says, I've shown you the way. I've set an example for you to follow. I've served you. I've revealed the Jesus life in my life and in my words. Earlier in a letter Paul wrote to the church family in Corinth while he was working in Ephesus, he writes this in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1, he writes, And you should imitate me. Literally, you should mimic me just as I imitate Christ. I mean, this is Paul's way of being a follower of Jesus. Imitate me. Mimic me as I imitate Christ. The reality is we say to people, follow Jesus. But what does that look like? How do you begin to do that? Well, what you do is you, as a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for some time, seek to follow in the teaching of Jesus, try to do the things of Jesus, uh, proclaim the words of Jesus, know the words of Jesus, live in the way of Jesus, do the works of Jesus. You're seeking as best you can to pattern your life and everything after Jesus. But those who are kind of new to it all, who are trying to sort it out, you say, listen, imitate me as I am seeking to imitate Jesus. Follow my lead. Follow my example. And this is what Paul's saying, and it's something I think that's helpful and challenging for us today. And so here are some questions in light of this passage and this example of Paul. And this is the haunting question for me. Do I have a life worth imitating? Could I say, imitate me as I seek to imitate Jesus? Do I have a life worth imitating? As followers of Jesus, what if our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, our wider communities mimicked us, patterned their faith after our faith? What if they imitated our prayers, our relationships together, our lives when no one is looking, our attitudes, our priorities? What would they look like? Would they be pessimistic? Would they be optimistic? Would they be loving or cynical, generous or stingy, self-focused or serving? Here's the good news. We don't need to be perfect examples of Jesus' life. There is no such thing. Paul was not a perfect example. But Paul and we can be living examples of people who are authentically, intentionally, and humbly seeking to live more and more like Jesus as we're empowered by his Holy Spirit to do so. People need living examples. They need to see people authentically seeking to follow Jesus. And when they miss the mark, be willing to say, I missed it. I'm sorry. But I keep seeking to follow Jesus. Follow my lead. Paul challenges 
do what I did, follow Jesus. And so how is God speaking to you today through this story? And what will be your response? Let's pray. God, today, use us to spread the good news of Jesus everywhere like a sweet perfume. May our lives be a Christ-like fragrance rising up to you, God. And so morph us more into your way of thinking, speaking, living, and leading. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.